you're gonna need a bigger boat. No. I am your father. I'm gonna make him an offer again. Life was like a box of chocolates. Wax on, wax off. I see dead people. Here's Johnny. He's a liar. You can't handle the truth. Good morning, Vietnam. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Get away from her, you bitch. I'll say, how did you get to reach your 21st birthday without leaking out all of your clothes? Cinematic Leap. Hi, and welcome back to Cinematic Leap, a movie podcast where we apply our six degrees of Kevin Bacon-style process to select our next movie. Each week, we'll watch a movie, provide our review, then take a cinematic leap by selecting an actor or crew member associated with this pod's movie to choose our next movie. Rules are simple. Whoever chooses this pod's movie sits out selection. One of your hosts chooses the actor crew member, leaving the final host to choose the movie. You can't choose an actor, director, crew member that's been chosen within the last six choices. As always, I am joined by two of my best mates, Michael Thompson and Glenn Gray. Hello. And of course, I'm your host, Scott Gearin. Gentlemen, how are we? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. It's been a it's been a little while since I've seen this film, so no, I'm good. I've, I've recovered. Glenn, I, I I'm okay as well. Yep, going well. Good to hear. All right, so this pod's movie is the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. This is a 2007 American western biopic starring Brad Pitt and Casey Affleck. Also stars Sam Shepard. Mary Louise Parker, Paul Schneider, Jeremy Renner, Zoe Deschanel, and of course Sam Rockwell, who was the Leaper. It was directed by Andrew Dominic and based on the book by Ron Hansen of the same name. It had a budget of thirty million, made just fifteen million. Uh, it was gen- it was certainly well reviewed. Uh, critics generally loved it. Uh, however, no one actually bothered to go and see it. Uh, seems to have got a bit of a cult following later on. IMD oh, excuse me. IMDB rating has it at 7.5, Rotten Tomatoes 7.2, and a Metascore of 68%. Uh, and I, I was talking to this movie uh, with a mate of mine at work, uh, and he made, when talking about this movie, he made a, a comment which I think applies to this perfectly. Some movies are made for critics, some movies are made for viewers, and this one was the definitely the former. So, Michael, we'll, we'll throw it over to you. You chose the leaper, which was Sam Rockwell. Why? Look, I've um, I've seen Sam Rockwell in quite a few things. I think uh, one of the early films he was in um, was Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, where he plays a game show host who also, um, you know, says he like, and his memoir says he was a assassin for the CIA which was pretty cool. He was also in Galaxy Quest, one of my all-time favourite films, uh, as the um, security guy, and he plays a comic relief, and it's just funny. Like, he just comes along and he just, uh, does really well, and I really, um, you know, just a number of other things. And I think what is always good about him is, unlike some actors, um, he will he sinks into the role. Like, you don't really kind of go, oh, that's Sam Rockwell. Uh, you see it as the character, and they go, "Oh, that's Sam Rockwell." Like you know, whereas like 
actors like Leonardo DiCaprio, that's Leo playing this role, playing Leo. So, you know, you never... I think Sam Rockwell embodies the character more than some other actors, so that's why I really like him. That's why I picked him. Uh, Glenn? Yes. Thoughts on Sam Rockwell quickly? Uh, I think we... We will come to him a bit later on. Yeah, I think we spoke about Sam Rockwell last time. I was saying that, yeah, I didn't know much about what he'd done and, yeah, I was interested to see more, so now I have. (laughs) Uh, and I was the one who chose this movie. Um, apologies. Um, <clears throat> I, I'd actually heard some good reviews about it. Um, I don't mind a Western. Um, I like Brad Pitt as an actor. I like Casey Affleck as an actor. Uh, and I looked through the rest of the cast was, you know, guys like Jeremy Renner, who I enjoy, and, and Sam Rockwell. Um, hadn't seen a lot of Sam Rockwell, but what I'd seen him in, I'd enjoyed. Uh, so yeah, I thought, well, why not knock this one off the bucket list and have a watch, um, and see what it's, see what it's all about. And I was actually quite excited because as I said, I liked a lot of the actors and I had heard some good things. So, um, Michael, what were your thoughts when I picked this movie? Look, I thought, oh yeah, this is a film I haven't seen, so this could be interesting. And I think at the time I'd thought, Maybe I'll see it, but I'm not a big Western guy, so it probably just easily slipped off my list. So I think I was kind of, okay, this will be worth it. That's yep. my initial Glenn. thoughts. Yeah, I was very the same. I, When you chose this movie, I thought, oh, good, okay, I, this is something I haven't seen, and that's part of the whole reason we're doing this is to watch stuff I didn't think to watch before. And, and it looked like a nice long movie to just get suck, stuck into and just – spend a couple of hours relaxing, what getting lost in a nice long movie I haven't seen yet. Um, so I was quite excited to watch this. His children didn't know how their father made his living or why they so often moved. They didn't even know their father's name. He regretted neither his robberies nor the 17 murders that he laid claim to. Can't believe I'm sitting with none other than Jesse James. Manny's the night I stayed up. My eyes open, my mouth open, just reading about your escapades. They're all lies, you know. It is interesting the many ways you and I overlap. You're the youngest of three James boys, and I'm the youngest of five Ford boys. You have blue eyes, I have blue eyes. You're five feet eight inches tall, I'm five feet eight inches tall. I honestly believe I'm destined for great things, Mr. James. You give me signs that make me wonder. Maybe your mind's been changed about me. Can't figure it out. You wanna be like me? Or you wanna be me? You think it's all made up, don't you? You think it's all yarns and, and newspaper stories. He's just a human being. Look at my red hands and my mean face. I wonder about that man that's gone so wrong. I've been a nobody all my life. I know I won't get with this one opportunity, and you can bet your life I'm not gonna spoil. Seems to me, if you have something to confess, you spit it out now. Ah, very good. All right, so we'll just quickly, we'll flick over to the synopsis, which are, which I've got the joys of doing this one. Movie starts out in 1881, where a young Robert Bob Ford seeks out Jesse James uh, when the James gang is planning a train robbery in Blue Cut, Missouri making several unsuccessful attempts to befriend the James brothers, 
hoping to join the gang with the help of his older brother, Charlie, who's played by Sam Rockwell, who's already a member. Uh, they set up the robbery and managed to rob the train. The train turns out to be carrying only a fraction of the money originally thought, and a dispirited Frank James, who's played by Sam Shepard, um, Jesse, who's also Jesse's brother, leaves the gang and his, and his brother. Jesse returns to Kansas City, Missouri, bringing the Fords, Bob and Charlie, Dick Liddell, played by Paul Schneider, and Jesse's cousin, Wood Height, played by Jeremy Renner. Jesse sends Charlie, Wood and Dick away, but insists that Bob stay for his help in moving furniture to a new home in St. Joseph. Uh, Bob becomes more admiring of Jesse the, during this time, trying to learn his traits and mannerisms, just listening to him before he's also sent away. He goes to and stays at the farmhouse of his widowed sister, Martha Bolton, where he joins his brother Charlie, Woodheight and Dick Liddell. Bob gets picked on a fair bit there and it's revealed he's followed Jesse's career for years and a bit of an infatuation when it started. Uh, Dick Liddell reveals to Bob that he's in collusion with another member of the James gang, Jim Cummins, to try and capture, capture Jesse for his, the substantial reward that's on his head. Meanwhile, we see Jesse, who's suspicious that there are people who are turning on him, visit another gang member, Ed Miller, who gives away information on Cummins' plot. Jesse kills Miller, then goes to find Dick Liddell uh, and gets him to join him to hunt down Cummins. Unable to locate him, Jesse viciously beats Albert Ford, the younger cousin of Bob and Charlie, who had hosted Cummins at their farm. Later, Liddell stays with Height at Height's father's house, uh, where he has sex with Height's young stepmother. Upon learning of this, Height tracks Liddell down to the Boltons, and after a shootout, which sees both inexplicably miss each other from close range, um, Liddell finally, just as he's about to put a bullet, um, sorry, just as Height is about to put a bullet into Liddell's head, Bob intervenes, fatally shooting Height. They dump his body in the woods to conceal the murder from Jesse and cover it with snow. Jesse then appears at the Bolton's farm for dinner, where Bob and Charlie deny having seen Liddell recently. At dinner, Jesse mocks Bob for his idolisation of him after hearing several stories of Bob knowing everything about him, including boot sizes, height, etc. This leads to Bob to become this leads to Bob becoming less enchanted and more resentful towards Jesse especially after hearing of what he did to his cousin. Jesse and Charlie then travel to St. Joseph, where Jesse learns of Height's disappearance, about which Charlie denies knowing anything. Meanwhile, Bob goes to the Kansas City Police. Commissioner Henry Craig, saying he knows... Oh, sorry, yeah, apologies. Uh, Bob goes to the Kansas City Police, uh, Commissioner Henry Craig, saying he knows Jesse's whereabouts. To prove his allegiance with the uh, James gang, Bob urges Craig to arrest Dick Liddell. Following Liddell's arrest, Bob turns up at a gala where a new task force is being set up to catch the James gang. Liddell confesses to participation in numerous gang robberies, and Bob brokers a deal with the governor of Missouri, Thomas T. Crittenden, where he is given 10 days to capture or kill Jesse, and is promised a substantial bounty and a full pardon for murder. Charlie persuades Jesse to take Bob into the gang and they find him working in a grocery store and get him to come with them. They all return to James's house where they are introduced as cousins to Jesse's wife and two children, which um, 
which was odd because um, Bob had already previously stayed with them, so I don't quite get how they thought that had worked. Uh, Jesse wants to revive his gang by robberies with the Fords, beginning with the Platte City Bank. Bob lets Charlie in on his deal, and Charlie unwittingly goes along, continuing to warn Bob that he'll find out. During their stay, Jesse doesn't trust Bob and becomes increasingly suspicious of both of the brothers, not allowing them to take, to be alone together. However, as they as the stay passes, uneventfully, he later gives Bob a gun as a token of apology. The day prior to the robbery, Jesse and family, along with Charlie, go to church. However, Bob stays back at the house and he's really creepy as he goes through Jesse's stuff, lies on his bed, drinks from his glass. That night, Charlie can't sleep and he's convinced that Jesse will kill them. Bob reassures them that they'll be fine. On the morning of April 3rd, 1882, as Jesse and the four brothers prepare to depart for the robbery, Jesse reads in the newspaper about the rest and confessions of Dick Liddell. While the three men are in the living room, Jesse removes his gun belt and climbs a chair to clean a dusty picture. Bob shoots Jesse in the back of the head with the gun given to him. He flees with Charlie. They send a telegram to the governor to announce Jesse's death, for which they are to receive 10000 However, they never receive more than $500 each. Uh, we then have a voiceover explaining that photos of Jesse James' body were sold for $2 a piece, a lot of money at the time, and were on the cover of many magazines. People were making pilgrimages to the cottage where he was slain, and that people were regularly going to see the remains of Jesse James, which were being kept on ice in a cooling room. Um, from there, we move forward one year after the killing. The Fords hope to become celebrities touring with the theatre show in Manhattan, in which they reenact the shooting, where it is thought that Bob Ford was more identified, sorry, more identifiable to people than the President of the United States. and was probably more renowned at 20 than Jesse James was after 14 years of grand lasting. Uh, Charlie starts to resent Bob, though, and soon people gradually become hostile towards the pair, hailing Jesse as a legend and calling Bob a coward, causing Bob to start a fight with an audience member at a show. It is indicated that Bob felt he had assassinated James more than 800 times by this stage, and as the voiceover notes, Never has an act of betrayal been so relived so publicly. Guilt-stricken, Charlie writes numerous letters to Z. James asking for her forgiveness, but he does not send them. Suffering from terminal tuberculosis, he commits suicide in May 1884. The last 10 minutes is really just Bob trying to justify himself and why he did it, noting he expected applause. Unfortunately, he never got it. In the end, he actually regrets what he did. Bob works around the West as a saloon owner, becoming increasingly regretful of his past actions. On June 8, 1892, Bob is murdered by Edward O'Kelly at his saloon in Creed, Colorado. O'Kelly is sent to life in prison, but he's later pardoned after 10 years in 1902. For Bob and his death, there were no photos of his body, no funeral processions, no babies named after him. The end. <laughs> Wow. Probably could have chimed in there, lads, a couple of times. But anyway, so, so that was well, the synopsis. Uh, yeah, Thank you, Scott. <laughs> Thanks, oh. Scott. That was really well done. Jeepers. Right. <laughs> okay, so now we go into the we, – we look into this part. We usually go into the cast and characters, which is probably not a bad spot. 
to go into before we sort of get mm-hmm. into the full chat about the movie. Um, in terms of cast, and look, we've just we've talked about this a few times on the pod, on our on previous pods. The cast was excellent. Like I look at the names in it, I thought Brad Pitt was actually excellent in the movie. Um, as as was Casey Affleck. Like they were two really strong lead characters. Um, and I thought the support cast was really strong. Now, Michael, you you weren't a big fan of Casey. Ah, oh, just I just found it irritating. Like I was looking at the trivia, and Shia LaBeouf was also like an option, and like I think Shia LaBeouf would have been way more entertaining. I don't know. Like it's just I just kind of struggled to get through his parts. Mumbly. It just sounded, I don't know, mumbly and yeah, and like you know, understanding them was actually quite difficult. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, was I think for me, Casey Affleck's performance put me off a lot. So, you know, I'd kind of find something else to kind of look at while he was on <laughs> but screen. Right. And he's on the screen. For a but lot. I actually, I actually thought his performance was quite good because I think that's what. He was supposed to be that annoying younger guy, that that guy who's got that infatuation, that guy that's not, you know, cool or anything like that. He just wants to be a part of this gang and, and wants to be friends with Jesse, a guy that he's idolised and a guy that he's, as you see in the movie, like he's adored. He's actually adored by, by so many people and he wants to be that. So I thought he played off, you probably couldn't get a better yin and yang sort of thing confident, you know, enigmatic Brad Pitt as Jesse James compared to Casey Affleck, who was the complete opposite. Glenn? I don't have a lot to say about the actors. They were fine. <laughs> Interesting. I've, I've seen Sam Rockwell. I really liked. Um, I think his character was, like, understated and, yep. you know, fit. Like he kind of portrayed his character really well, so I was a fan of that. Yeah, and I actually liked liked his progression. He was that sort of confident one at the start, and then you know he was sort of happy to be, you know, with Jesse and all that sort of stuff. But then, as you can start to see, as he starts to worry the down the trend down of his character, he starts getting more nervous, more fumbly, you know, more. Mm-hmm. I thought, yeah, you're right. I thought. He was good. I also like Jeremy Renner. I'm a bit of a fan of Jeremy Renner. He's a, I like quite a few of his movies, so I thought he was quite good. You should you should see me in some of the Marvel films, Scott. You never know, Michael. We, we <laughs> this is going to be an ongoing yeah, thing. You might it? actually get me to watch a Marvel movie during this process, so we'll see what happens. I liked Brad Pitt in this. Brad Pitt was good, <laughs> and I liked um, I liked Casey Affleck. I think just I like him in a lot of different stuff, and... He grew on me in this. Um, and then, yeah, Sam Rockwell, when I saw him, I was like, ah, oh, that's the guy from Matchstick Men. That's the one <laughs> That's the one that got us here. Yeah. <laughs> so I didn't like him. Oh, no, <laughs> just kidding. Um, yeah, and he was, he was fine. <laughs> but um, I think I still need to see more of his films. Yeah. I thought, it's a, I thought it's an interesting one, and I think this is where... Brad, I don't know if Brad Pitt's a, a really strong leading man. I think he's all, he's a perfect person to be the second banana. Like, and I think he's a really great character actor. I don't know. I just think 
like I, I think some of the movies that he's been the main star in haven't always been. They've probably made money, but I don't think they've been successful. If that makes sense, um, I don't know. I but I I did. I enjoyed his performance in this, um, but I think Brad Pitt at his best is where he's playing off someone. Um, and he did it to a point with Casey, but probably needed that other enigmatic actor to really take it a bit further. Mine. Uh, now, this should be an interesting one. Favourite scene or favourite part? Well, actually, I th- I f- you know, this is probably the moment I need to ring up. Um, there's in the voiceover for this film, early on, it speaks about how Jesse James blinked a lot. Like, it was one of those, um, here's a character, like, here's a guy that has this condition that makes him blink a lot. Um, and it struck me during the film that that's not what Brad Pitt did. And I think coming off, like, Nick Cage's work, um, where, you know, like, particularly the Matchstick Men, where he was really affected and, like, you know, you saw him really embody that character that had uh, that anxiety and tics, um, to not have like to mention that in the narrative, uh, the narration, and not have it like seen as part of the character, that kind of was a. That, like, I guess that to me kind of said that he wasn't you know bringing, really you know bringing the character to life. Yeah, because you could you could imagine at what Nic- Nicholas Cage would have done with that. Um, yep, yeah, good point. Mm, I, I missed that. Yeah. Um, mm. All right, uh, Michael, favourite scene or favourite part of the movie? Um, there's, I think there's, there's two, couple of standout parts. The train scene um, was good. Like, I think the, there's a build up to it, which is like, eh. Um, but the actual lighting and the setup and the, the cinematography, that was pretty cool. Like, it was done, that was done well. Um, I really enjoyed... Uh, Nick Cave's, um, you know, Australian, you know, music artist. He's like, his, his score was in there, but I really liked his scene towards the end of the film where he's playing the bard or like, you know, the guy, you know, singing about the coward Robert Ford and he's there. Uh, that was kind of cool. Um, other than that, like, uh, it, it really is almost an irredeemable film. Um, it was a struggle. Like, you know, that, I think they're my the two yep. bits. Um, Everything else was like real challenge to get through. You would think that a movie Glenn? about um, you'd think a movie about a guy who robs trains and commits crimes would have a bit of excitement. You know, maybe a robbery or two would have been nice to see. Maybe a, a shootout or anything that that was interesting would have been good. Um, so yeah, mm. my favorite part was the end credits. <laughs> You know, I, I felt the same way, Glenn. Like the, like this film focuses on this, in in reality, this most boring part of this man's life. Like he up until this point, he's done seventeen. You know, he's killed seventeen people. There's all these robberies. Um, it's this, you know, just legend that comes with it. And we see the bit that's him kind of getting paranoid. Uh, thinking his friends are trying to do him in. And then, of course, they go, wow, he thinks we're trying to do him in, so we'll do him in. And they do him in, and then we see, 
you know, Robert Ford and how he ends a, you know, he, how he ends. He's so like, before he the end credits, film. I was looking out for a favourite scene. Um, and up until that point, <laughs> my favourite part was probably um, when it said the date, April 3rd, 1882 on the screen. And I thought, why are they so specific with the date? Did something happen? I Googled it as I was watching because, you know, it wasn't much else going on. So I was I Googled the date and I was like, this is the day he got killed. And I was like, oh, okay, something's going to happen. This is good. So actually from that point, I actually didn't mind um, th- that day. The, the um in the film the lead up to him being killed and getting killed um but yeah like you were saying it what i didn't even know for sure that he was a real person i actually when i googled the date and i saw he got killed that day i was like oh, okay so this is a real guy i have no idea <laughs> it could have been a just legendary character from, you know i don't know american history very well so yeah i was like okay Something's going to happen soon in this movie. That's good, but yeah, it wasn't. And, and yeah, I did like the Nicholas, Nick, not Nicholas Cage, Nick Cave. <laughs> the, the, yeah, the Nick Cave bit was good too. Well, Glenn, Jesse James is so famous. Like Cher wrote a song about him, so that's how famous he is. So that's not a yeah. Did she? It's not a bad song. Believe. What's just the like, song? No, nah, just like Jesse James. It's called. So. Yeah, not a bad, not a bad song if you get a chance. Uh, favorite scene for me, I think the, like you said, Michael, I think the train scene at the start. It's um, the cinematography around that was was excellent. I thought it was really well shot, and it was, a, you know, one of the few bits of action in the movie. And when they get to James's house, where I guess you see that, you know, Bob is still infatuated. And you see that, you know, Charlie's worried about all this sort of stuff. But Bob's got that little bit of confidence going, no, 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 we'll, we'll get this. And then obviously the eventual death. Um, and I did enjoy just after that where with the voiceover where it's going on about, um, you know, what happened after Jesse's Jesse died. You know, it's, you know, how, you know, all these people are making pilgrimage, pilgrimages and, you know, people are buying the the pictures of his dead body and all of this sort of stuff. Like it's, he was fated as a hero, which, you know, it's quite funny when you think about it because when Australia do that, you know, Ned Kelly is fated as a hero, yet he shot, you know, robbed lots of banks and shot multiple policemen. So it is a may. He also, he also wrote really interesting letters. We've got other people to write them um, to authorities and said, stick it up here. Um, it's a lot of cool history around Ned Kelly. Uh, and maybe there's a lot of cool history around uh, Jesse James. And maybe, I mean, like, but the movie's not so much. And I guess, like, some of the Ned Kelly films are not strong either. So maybe there's something about... If he's so well, yeah, well loved movies. in history and whatnot, why not show that bit? Why like, show, that, show why that is, like, instead of just all this stuff about, you know, being paranoid about your gang and nothing going on and just having to, me to pause the movie constantly because I need a break. I, well, I guess because it's based off a book, so it's obviously about that last part where where Bob comes into the life and about how, you know, this coward Bob shot him when he wasn't even facing him, and it's about that that part of his life. Um, I'm sure there are other Jesse James movies, but yeah, this one's specifically targeting that moment when Bob Ford, Bob Ford, the person who assassinates him, 
comes into his life and, and we go forward. So, but yeah, 100%. It would have been nice to have, if there was a prequel and we actually got to see um, some interesting stuff. Um, <laughs> other ends, other aspects that stood out to us? Um, I, look, there's a lot of use of narration in this film, which was uh, like frequent. Um, and it was interesting how that there was all this kind of like you know blurry edge sort of stuff. Um, I don't know the actual um, technical name for it, but that was kind of semi interesting where they'd like you know they'd montage narrate, um, and you know that was kind of a it was interesting. I, it kind of it feels like it just should have been a documentary. Um, you know, cut it down to an hour, put the narration over it, documentary done. People would have, you know, you know, sell it as a documentary rather than an actual um, yeah. like cinematic or film. you go the other way and you make it like a six-part Netflix, which they probably didn't have Netflix, obviously, back in 2007. But it's probably better off being a, a six-part series where, you know, where they talk about the narration, you actually create episodes out of that. Um yeah, and they probably would have worked with it. Like, it's really like they made a four-hour yeah. cut of it. I reckon that um, that you know could have cut it down to like you know a number of yeah. I feel like episodes. I might have watched that one. With ads, um, Glenn. Other aspects. Uh, I just liked yeah the end credits. Great, just so it's such a relief. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's it's in. Sorry, it's interesting. Like you're like talking about those aspects. It's like you know, it's described how it's beautifully shot. Um, I've, you know, in reviews and like people have talked about that. The you know, looking at the majority of the shots are actually like a mid shot, close up kind of vibe, and like you know, putting into that conversational um, sort of space, coupled with long shots of you know, or extreme long shots with expansive views, which are pretty, uh, but not themselves thrilling. And, you know, you put a place that, you know, someone in there looking off to the distance and that looks interesting. That's nice. But I don't think there's anything brilliant about the cinematography in this film. Like, I think people would kind of go, yeah, it's shot well. It's like, well, it's shot. It's definitely kind of, you know, shot, reverse shot, medium shot, you know, some nice compositions, but there's nothing outstanding about the how this yeah. looks. Yeah, see, I actually didn't mind... I actually thought it was well shot. I enjoyed, I, 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 you know that the opening sequence when they're in the when they're in that sort of bushland and they they then rob the train and all of that sort of part. And even oh, I sat down and watched it um, with Trey, my wife, and even she said within about fifteen minutes, she goes, "Oh, it's beautiful." She goes, "Oh, it's beautifully shot." And I said, "Yeah, it's a very pretty film, and I think they do well." Um, of that during the movie. I also think that's the downside of the movie because I think they got infatuated with, you know, scenery and the beautification of this thing that it sort of lost its lost its way in a lot of ways. Um, I thought the script was, was well done, but I think as you guys pointed out, it was hard to hear uh, at times. I think they, they sort of spoke quite quiet a lot of the time which was disappointing um anything else no i have nothing questions queries tidbits 
Uh, look, my biggest question probably revolves around um, why the studio um, folded to Brad Pitt and the director and released the film. I think that's uh, that's probably my biggest question. They could have held out. Just no, guys. This is rubbish. I'm just going to save our money here. Write it off. Go for Glenn, it. anything else? Um, no, just about the technical aspects and the cinematography, which was good a lot of the time. But what I didn't like was a lot of the. I don't know if it was shooting through some sort of glass that had wavy focus through it, and a lot of the shots were like, and the edges were out of focus, and it was just really. That really annoyed me. Really yeah, that was the narration me. bit so I was talking about. It continued through the whole film at times and just looking through windows or whatever and just mm. people out of focus in the distance. I didn't see. It's probably some symbolic thing that I don't care about, but probably a reason to it. But I generally do like that cinematographer. But, yeah, I didn't like it so much here. But, yeah, no other questions really. I was struggling just to get through the movie. I wasn't really overly invested. <laughs> <laughs> when will it end? Was well, that I your question? Pausing it and seeing the time, but yeah. <clears throat> I um, I, one question: How bad a shot at a lot of these guys? Like, I know that <laughs> yeah, the weapons aren't what they are today, but you've got what was it Dick Liddell and Wood Height fight each other or shooting at each other within a bedroom, which wasn't a big bedroom, and I don't think they actually hit each other. Well, they barely hit each other. I think there's one no, shot out of about the, the, 12 the, shots fired that actually hits a target. They, they hit each other once. There's one yeah. in the arm, one in the leg. Um, and, yeah, it's like like police now would call it mm. point blank range. And somehow there's like bang, bang, bang. Maybe they were just mucking around. This is like, you know, they're mucking around. And then, of course, uh, Robert Ford. Well, he's the guy the head. best shot of them all. So... Um, he was across the good. movie. Unknowingly. Yeah. Um, and I guess, look, we'll go into this with my uh, with my final thoughts. But two hours 40? Couldn't have found other things to cut out of this movie? Like, I mean... There's lots to cut. They, One cut hour out, documentary. They've cut it down from four hours. I still reckon uh, you probably could have cut a bit more. But that was really all I had in terms of questions on this. Um Michael, any trivia? There's lots of trivia. Um, and I guess I will regale people with it. Uh, this is Brad Pitt's personal favourite movie that he's acted in. Uh, it makes me have questions about Brad Pitt. Uh, the cinematographer Robert Deakins has called the arrival of the train in darkness is one of his high, um, yep, high points that of was his outstanding. According to Andrew Dominic, Brad Pitt's contract stated the movie's name could not be changed. So it had to be that, even though the, probably the studio wanted it shorter. Original cut was four hours long. We talked about the Nick Cave score was written before the film was shot. Go Nick Cave, superstar. Uh, in real life, Jesse James' wife Z was his cousin. Z was short for Zerelda. And she had been named after Jesse's mother. It's very confusing when you're trying to follow that. What else is there? The field have two production designers. Uh, 
Patrick, uh, Patricia Norris and Richard Han- uh, Hoover. Only one name could be listed in the credits, so both decided to go on credit. I really don't understand that. Like, if you've got a list of people who worked on the film, you can put two names in there. They're like, they occupy the can't, same space. Can't be that hard. It was really weird. Couldn't have been that hard. <laughs> we do it all the time. Um, Shia LaBeouf was considered a role of Robert Ford. Rejected as too young. I think it would have been great. The original unedited screenplay was 132 pages long. The final version was also 102 pages, again too long. Yeah, it's supposed to be a page on it. Oh, this is probably... <laughs> uh, apparently there was... Um, I can't find it, but there was... Um, the guy that narrated it was actually just like a... Yeah, assistant editor or something, or something like that. Somewhere. And, yeah... And basically, he like it was meant to be a placeholder sort of edit, but the director liked it so much they kept it in. So that was that was interesting. Uh, and Robert Hansen has a cameo somewhere in the film. Oh. Who's the writer of the novel? That's all I'm going to go with. That's all the you know more trivia out there. Hmm. Well, there's way more, but you know <laughs> I've had enough of this film. It's time right. to move on. All right. So it's at this time, which is going to be fun. It's going to be an interesting section, I think. Uh, final thoughts. And, of course, we do give our ratings. Now our ratings are out of 10, 10 being a great movie, one being a terrible movie. Um, Glenn, I'll throw over to you this time. Usually I'll throw over to Michael first, but I'll throw over to you. I gave it a 3 out of 10 because I'm not a monster. There were, you know, aspects that were good. You know, a lot of the cinematography did look nice. Um, Brad Pitt, I mean, anyone else in that role, I think he would have been even... I mean, he made it watchable, his scenes. Um, A lot of the cast actually made it more watchable than it could have been. So, yeah, three out of ten for me. And I'm glad I've... Watched it and don't have to watch it again, hopefully. It's <laughs> funny. Uh, Michael. Look, I, I thought this film was ordinary. And, and maybe that's just my enjoyment of films. Uh, Glenn, I want to apologise about what I said about adaptation. I didn't think there would be a worse <laughs> film that we'd watch. Wow. I was wrong. <laughs> and we blame, we blame Scott. Um, I always want to. I always want to go back and watch that film. Like you know, adaptation is better than um, than assassination of uh, Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford, and that's saying a lot. Um, the what is? Yeah, it just dragged. It just it like just went too long, you know. It, it was like you know it was a it was a film for critics who wanted to try and do this arty piece, and it's not a film for the consumer. It's not a film for the audience, even though there's you know lots of reviews that say it's you know seven point one or this is a great film. It's it's not a great film. Uh, there are way better films. There are way better westerns. There's westerns that I would, I'd actually mm. watch, and you got to go. That's cool. Uh, this. This is ordinary. It's about, um, I guess, like, you know, we, we think back to the adaptation, ironically, and, like, you know, where Brian Cox goes, you know, there are so many cool things out there to write about, like, you know, 
do all these things, like include those in the screenplay. And that's, it's missing in here. Like, you know, the guy's written about this really boring period in Jesse James's life. And it, it produces a film like that. So, uh, look, two. Ooh, two. Two. Yeah, you know, and that, that two is for I, the train scene. I just scene don't know why Nikkei. Scott picked it, to be honest. Um, uh, I'm, I'm just dreading his next, next pick. Next pick. <laughs> <laughs> Well, all right, that's that's harsh, um, but no, this was okay. So, so my my final thoughts on the assassination of Jesse James. I'll I'll preface it by just saying I am sorry, um, but one, it's too long, way too long, uh, and the pacing's terrible. I I have zero idea how to edit a movie. I guarantee you I could cut 40 minutes of this movie that would have an impact on it overall, and I think you would actually have a half-decent movie. Like you, Michael, I don't mind a Western. I've, you know, I've 310 to Yuma, Unforgiven. Yeah, there's there's quite a few that I've seen that I've actually enjoyed. Uh, Tombstone's another one. Um, so I, I'm not against a Western. And I think if you cut 40 minutes of this movie, you'd actually have a half-decent Western movie. Like you said, Glenn, I think the cast made it what it was. But the pacing was terrible. It just never kicked on. You know, I thought Matchstick Men, it sort of it sort of built nicely. It, it started off a little slow. You sort of got a little bit of background, a little bit of introduction to the characters. And then from about the midpoint of that movie, it, it just shot, shot through the roof. It was outstanding. Um, adaptation was probably similar. It was a bit weird for a lot of the movie. Then towards the end, it sort of built... This thing just. I agree. Thing... Like I, I, I sorry, Scott. I, I want to go back and give almost give adaptation a three and a half. Just I'm sorry, adaptation. I didn't know. <laughs> hang on. It, and it's pacing. Like, pacing is better. Let's, let's not kid ourselves, Michael. Adaptation is not a good movie. Hey, okay, oh. let's just. Um, <laughs> sorry, Glenn. Sorry, sorry, Glenn. Um, what else? Uh, <laughs> I thought it was beautifully shot, as I've said before. Cinematography was excellent. Um, But as my mate James said, some movies are made for audiences, some are made for critics, and this one is obviously made for critics. And that's shown by the fact that it cost $30 million to make and only $15 million, it only made $15 million. Nobody bothered to see it. I'm tipping word of mouth would have shot this thing very, very quickly. But I still proclaim if you can cut at least 40 minutes out of this movie, I think the actual story isn't that bad. You're right, there's not enough action set pieces, but I think you could get around that with a much tighter movie and and probably slightly tighter dialogue. But they didn't. And they cut it, they still kept it at two two hours forty. The the name itself is stupid, it's far too long. And yeah, if it hadn't had <laughs> half decent actors, this would have been an absolute shit show. In the end, it was anyway, but it was at least a well-acted shit show. So I'm giving it a four. <laughs> oh, um, that's impressive. A four. Did again, you an adaptation? Uh, a five. Oh. So I still say this is worse than adaptation. I won't watch adaptation again, but if I have to, I probably could. I would not subject myself to this. 
but I'm giving it a four because I think the bones are there for a half decent movie. It's just that they just needed to cut 40 minutes out of it. This should have been a nice tight two hour movie. And yeah. I think you would have had a half decent feel. You can't rate what it could have been. Um, you should rate what it is. <laughs> and I'm just, that's no, fine. Fair it's, point. Your, it's your rating. Fair but enough. I'm giving it a force. Right. So a three and a two and a four give us a nine. Now that actually, <laughs> that now bumps adaptation off the bottom, Glenn. Um, so we've we've now got the Martians still sitting on top at twenty six and a half, Matchstick Men at twenty, the Born Identity at eighteen point five, Adaptation eighteen, and now Jesse James at nine, which pretty much means it was a horrible movie. I'm hoping which, we that's don't. hard to argue. You, uh... you look at the numbers and it bombed. If we get oh, anything lower, no doubt we'll get one very, lower. Very unhappy. <laughs> I've actually just realised that I've got another oh. favourite scene when the guy shot Robert Ford. Like, you know, yeah. then you knew it was over. <laughs> yeah, all right, we're done. Yes. Got him. Yeah, this can't go Thank for God. much longer. Uh, Glenn, socials, where can they be? Can people find us? Uh, on Facebook and Twitter, Cinematic Leap, one word, pretty easy. And it will show the great man, Nicolas Cage, correct? Yes, probably. That's our cover, that's our cover photo. Um, all right, that's it. That was the assassination of Jesse James. Uh, thankfully, the podcast went a truckload shorter than the actual movie did itself. Um, and now it is time for our Michael Cinematic Loop. All right, well, as I chose the last movie, The Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward Robert Ford. That now turns it over to Glenn. You are the man that takes our cinematic leap. You can pick or choose, pick and choose the actor slash director or other. Crew member. Uh, Sorry, crew member for our next movie. Who are you going with? There's a few options here that you could go in a few directions with. Brad Pitt, for example, you could take him to a whole bunch of different things. A lot of them very good. Um, I actually can't think of many movies he's done that aren't that aren't good, to be honest. Um, he he does do a good movie. Yeah, and then there's Casey Affleck, who having a quick look through back through him, he's done he's done a good range as well. But you know what I love, and I, I Elf is a great Christmas movie, and this girl in Elf. Is also in this, but I'm actually going to pick Brad Pitt. So, Michael, we'll go Brad with Brad Pitt. Pitt. Sorry, I give, tried to give Brad you a scare there. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, like, I did see this as Brooklyn Prolux, and I thought, oh, I kind of know. I mean, like, you would not have liked the movie choice if you gone with, uh, was it Brooklyn? No, it was Zoe Des. What's it? Zoe Des. I can't remember how to say her name. <laughs> Zoe? Anyway, doesn't matter. All right, Michael, Brad Pitt. Brad okay. Pitt. He does have a lot of good movies. Oh, a lot of good movies. Um, this is this is going to take some time. Um, I'm hoping this goes in a certain shooting. direction. Let's but... see how many acting credits this guy has. <laughs> 66. 66 for acting credits. 
Um, well, I know you're hoping it goes into a certain direction. You're always kind of trying to game the system. Um, okay. I know, Scott. What do you... He's actually got some good producing credits. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, can you... So, I think we're going to see as well. Oh, look, there's with Brad Pitt, there's so many. I I wouldn't be un, unhappy if he chose World War Z. Um, <laughs> like, that's a that's one of my favourite movies. Um, shit, you've got the Oceans movies, uh, True Romance, uh, Moneyball. Yeah, there's just... He's got heaps to choose from. Uh, and, yeah, very rarely makes a bad movie. So... Oh, he's in Deadpool too. He's true. Oh, well, I can get to a I can get to a film I wanted was with Sam Rockwell, um, but I'm not going to do that because I think there's some some other big ones. The Big Short. Um, Once upon a time in Hollywood, uh, Michael, look, there was, was this actor, and he was in this movie. Ah, oh, it's got Leonardo DiCaprio in it. I don't like him. <laughs> uh, look, you know, I mean, you look at some of his classic, you know, big ones. You've got Interview with the Vampire, um, Fight Club, which you know that's you know interesting mm-hmm. snatch, um, awesome movie, uh, Troy. But really, I think a movie that is, you know, it's a it is a, it is old now. It's a classic. Um, you know, back when we were eighteen, uh, Seven. I think Seven is the go-to film. Yes. Uh, um, yes. You know, it was just a, <laughs> it was such a, a ripper film and, um, you know, edgy seat sort of stuff and, yeah, just clever. So, seven. Love it. Nice. Glenn's gone. I'm not sure if I want to do this one. Unlucky, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Glenn. I'm wrapped. I love it. <laughs> so many other movies you could have gone to, but, I mean, you could have done worse. I know, right? But... <laughs> Look, <laughs> it, look it, in six more goes, Glenn. If we're if we're back to a Brad Pitt movie, we you never just never know. <laughs> you just yeah. never know. Mm. All right, boys. Well, I guess we'll be back next episode with seven. And like that, it's gone. In case I don't see you. Good afternoon. Good evening. Good night. That's it, man. Game over, man. Game over. Cinematic loop.